2: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Now back to 95.7 The Game.
0: Can you help us solve one of the mysteries of these NBA finals? Kevin Michael, Whitey Gleason, and Evan Giddings. Dub G and, and uh, e Dog with you on 95.7 The Game. Uh, before we get any further, Evan, our producer Brian says you're going to have to wait another game for your Warriors to wear your beloved Royal Blues.
4: I was really hoping to maybe even get a chance to see the Blues in person at Chase Center, but that's all right. Game five, he said it's the white jerseys, blue jerseys on the road in game six, although that could be a game that they're going to go out and maybe close the NBA Finals on, so... Also, oh, wait. On, on
0: the text line here, we've established that Evan likes plain donuts, black coffee uh, from, uh, let's see, this is from the 415. Did your vegetables touch your meat?
4: They text do of the day
0: nominee right there as well. <laughs>
4: they do now. They didn't <laughs> used to. <laughs> they did not used to. I also used to separate M&Ms and Skittles. Yeah, I was one of those OCD kids.
0: Huh. Will we still remember Steph's great performance if we lose? Like, do we even talk about Jimmy Butler in the bubble? Well, you know, we don't talk about much of anything in the bubble because we'd like to forget all the reasons why we're in the bubble. I think, Steph, that is one that's going to be remembered even if the Warriors lose. Because I still think
4: he's going to win the MVP regardless. Yeah, I think the the question for a lot of people is probably going to be if they do lose and he wins MVP, would that be more impactful or better for his legacy than him winning the championship and not getting MVP? Mm. Now, I don't see a, a path to... The, the latter, if they win, just because of how great he's been. But, you know, God forbid he, he gets hurt or they throw up a couple stinkers and the Warriors find a way to gut it out without him. You know, there's, I don't know, I guess there's a conversation to be had. But I think either way, he has locked himself as the firm number one for MVP, even if they lose, just because not only Boston... You know they they haven't played consistently, but not one individual has stood out to me. Like I would put Jalen Brown above Jason Tatum at this point if I had to pick their most important player. I know you're a big Peyton Pritchard guy. <laughs> the pride of Westland. <laughs> no, Pey- Peyton Pritchard. He's he he's and Clay a fine. Were getting back into guard. it last
0: game a little bit that they were. With John going
4: on. There's not many people that can draw that out of Clay, and I don't know if it was a combination of him, you know, going through a rough stretch in the game and feeling like who's this guy who's just coming. Oh, it's Pac-12
0: related. You know that.
4: Oh, yeah, Ducks over Washington State. I'm, I'm more of a Cougs guy, personally. And I know Clay used to kill Oregon back in college, so I'm sure Peyton watched some tape and was like, yeah. I, I got to go at
0: this guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, One Giants-Dodgers note here from the 408. Why so many Dodger fans? It's because fans don't follow a team like Blind Sheep anymore. We demand ownership, field a competitive team, to get our money and time. Well, Giants are certainly competitive. I mean, if the postseason started today, which... I'm checking. It does not. The Giants would be in the postseason. It's just after last year. This year so far seems kind of yeah. Yeah, they're doing. Yeah, oh, they might sweep the Giants. Uh, or excuse me. Might sweep the Dodgers. Yeah, they're, I guess they're doing okay.
4: Now they have more reason to. But I would argue the Dodgers fans follow the Dodgers more like blind sheep than any other team in the league, just because. Well, they've been good for the past you know, better part of 15 years. And they continue to spend. They continue to give you reasons to come to Dodger Stadium. Uh, I can't say I've ever been there, but they give their fans reasons to come to Dodger Stadium in Chavez Ravine, and they've pretty much turned them into blind sheep at this point. So, and also the, I mean, if we're being honest, like who who are you paying to go watch at Oracle today on the home side? Is, is, Is Donovan Walton playing? Donnie four
0: bags? (laughs) Donnie new barrels? No, I, I, I agree with you. And it's not fair because teams are supposed to put together competitive, you know, organizations supposed to put together competitive teams and the Giants are competitive. But when the money ball philosophy,
4: when it doesn't work or when it's only working, okay,
0: you end up sometimes with teams that aren't very exciting on the field.
4: Now I think you also end up with some players that you get to know that you wouldn't have otherwise had the opportunity to, like a Donnie Walton. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of fun for the for the diehards, but for an average fan, for someone who's looking, you know, to go see a baseball game once or twice over the course of the summer, it's hard to sell them on that. Like I'm not going. I I can't go watch Farhan Zaidi play. That's just not what's Mm going to happen. And you know, at some point, you got to find a way to give fans a face, or at least some sort of promotional asset to be able to go and get into the game with. Hey, let's go watch the Giants exploit market inefficiencies. You want to go? Huh? It sounds like I'm going going to a TED Talk. Sammy Long? Long, Come on now, it's swinging Sammy Long, baby. I thought he was on the River Cats. Nope, he he pitched pitched three innings last night. He pitched last night. I've heard people call him a a classic 4A player.
0: Sammy Long, real quick here, and we're going to talk about the finals. Sammy Long is a lefty who throws like 95, right? There was (laughs) a time not that long ago where he'd be like, this is the greatest guy in our organization. He's a lefty, throws 95. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. And now it's like, yeah, we got like six of those guys in our organization,
4: right? Yeah. No, it seems like actually I was thinking about this last night watching the game. Evan Phillips, 20 years ago. Would have been the most do, with his stuff. Obviously, mm-hmm. would have been the most dominant pitcher in the. Le- <laughs> he throws ninety six with an eighty six mile breaking ball that yeah. moves two feet. Yeah, nobody would be touching him in right. nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, I, I don't care. Huh? And he's a he's an eighth inning setup guy. It's incredible. It, um, it's it's kind of like the the conversation Draymond Green was involved in as far as eighties and nineties players. You know who is able to transcend generations. That's another thing, too, that was big about the Steph game, I think, in Game 4, is it's unquestionably a game that is going to go in in the annals of, of NBA. Like mm-hmm. That's a game you can look at that they'll run back time and time again because from the beginning to end, there was no point where he dropped down, where his play subsided. He was good on both sides of the ball. And it was as close to an individual win as I think we've seen in the Stephen Curry era.
0: You know, here's something I think people don't talk about enough when they compare um the the eras and talk about the Warriors, compare them to the Bulls, 94-95 Bulls, those guys. Did you know, you know how long the three-point shot is, right? 23-9. Yeah. Oh. And it's it's a lot's a big boy shot. Um, in the 94-95 season, the three-point line all the way around was 22 feet. Is that when Reggie Miller hit like the most threes Can of you imagine career? if the, yeah, if Steph <laughs> and Clay played and you had a 22 point, three-point line, 22 foot? Yeah. And that's when, you know, that the Bulls. Um, it, it was also, let's see, 95, 96, 97. And I'm not saying that's why the Bulls were great. That's not it. But when you compare those two teams, can you imagine the Warriors playing with a
1: twenty two foot three point line all the way around?
4: They talking about exploiting market inefficiencies. That would <laughs> yeah. that would be incredible because I, I don't know if it would necessarily make them, you know, take closer shots, but just the visual, of Stephen Curry being even further back from the three-point line, yeah, you know he'd be shooting it from whatever's beyond <laughs> the parking lot, from the freeway.
0: Yeah, twenty-two. He could make a twenty-two-foot three-pointer, left-handed with his eyes closed. I think, right? Probably. It's like, that's he
4: like a layup. Does it in warm-ups? Yeah. Speaking of three-pointers,
0: do you know who hit the first three-pointer ever in NBA history? Chris Ford. Yes, and do you know what year? Well, that would have been God, a year old. <laughs> <laughs> I just know this stuff. Uh I mean I am, but still 79, right? Yes. Yeah.
4: And do you know bonus points? Boston Celtics. He, he was there. And who who was the debut? What was the debut of that game? Larry. Larry Legend.
0: Yeah. Larry Bird. Larry Johnson. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I know a guy. I know a guy Jerry Reynolds is he coached the Kings and he's from French Lick and I just I had coffee with Jerry a few a few weeks ago. And I asked him about Larry Bird and he are friends to this day because they're from the same town. And I guess Jerry Reynolds at one point recruited Larry Bird and he was the first guy to do that. And Larry Bird said that meant so much to me. Anyway, I asked him, okay, the great Larry Bird. I was not a Larry Bird fan, but I know how great he was. When were you first aware being in a small town, French Lick, Indiana? When were you first aware of Larry Bird, like high school, junior high? And he said, you know, I was running a clinic like for junior high kids or something. And he says, I I didn't know who Larry Bird was. But we're running this clinic, and I got all these kids running around. And there's this kid that dives for a loose ball, on the blacktop. And he said he thought,
4: "Man, that kid's crazy. That kid is hyper competitive." It was Larry Bird. Of course, it was. I'm also <laughs> curious, after telling that story, why you weren't a fan of Larry Bird. Uh, I was more of a magic guy at that time, and you couldn't uh, you chose be, your weapon.
0: You couldn't be
4: both, my friend. No? That wasn't no. an option? Is, is that like uh, you know being a LeBron and a Steph fan? You just don't, it doesn't happen? You can't it's do it? It's nothing like that. Okay. I mean, it,
0: that's that would be extreme. But, oh, I mean, Larry and Magic, like going back to when they played against each other in college, it's mm-hmm. like, which way do you go? I like them both. No, then you don't really understand what's going on. So anyway, that's the end of that question. I uh, never rooted for the Celtics, but when Larry Bird was done, I sure miss watching him play. Just phenomenal! Such a great shooter and a great winner.
4: And I'm hoping that that's the way that the the national people that Jason and earlier people from the Xfinity Mobile text line have talked about. I'm hoping that that's the way that they look at Steph when he's done. Because there's a lot of people that you know have have tried to you know I'm not going to say unfairly criticize him. You know, they there there are points and you know I guess flaws in his game that you can point out, but. At the end of the day, he is undoubtedly a joy to watch. And you can even look at the numbers from the finals. I know that they've been down overall compared to pre-pandemic numbers. But, you know, I think Game 1 this year was a 12-7 in terms of millions of viewers. Last year was below 10 in Game 1, and it's only increased the further it's gotten into the series now this year. So people want to watch him play, whether it's because you want to see him fail or you want to see him succeed He is unquestionably box office in probably a greater way than we will ever be able to understand until he's done because that's when you you fully understand how impactful and how box office a guy is like you're talking about with Larry Bird. You don't realize how much you miss him until he's gone.
0: All right, Evan Giddings, dear listener, 888-957-9570. Steph Curry, game one, he scored 34. Game two, Steph Curry scored 29. Mm. In game three, Steph Curry uh, scored 31. And then, of course, in the last game, 43. So how much of the 43.14 to 26 in 41 minutes Steph Curry are the Warriors going to need do you think the rest of the way here and can he continue to deliver that?
4: I think he he in the last 3 games, I think he'll have I don't know if it'll be as complete a game as what we saw in game 4 because remember he also had the 10 rebounds. He had four assists, he got to the free throw line. And he was great defensively. I know he, he that was about the defensive level we saw in Game 2 from him. Remember, everyone was t- calling him a two-way player for that third quarter. And Game Four was or Game 3 was a little bit of a different story against Marcus Smat and the Boston Celtics. But I think he's got one more of these offensive outputs in front of him, whether it be Game 5, Game 6, Game 7, I don't know. He's got one more in him. And I think they're going to need it because – Everything starts with him as far as the attention that the offense gets from Golden State. When Stephen Curry isn't shooting the ball well, then you're allowed to stay with those shooters on the outside. You're allowed to not allow the offensive rebound. You're allowed to put a body on Kevon Looney. I think one thing that stood out to me and has throughout these playoffs now is when, when Steph is shooting well, It allows Looney to get into better position. It allows him, along with other offensive rebounders, to get on the glass because the defense is so spread out, and they're up on Stephen Curry. So he creates so much secondary opportunity for them, as well as on the first shot, that I think he's going to need to be as good for them to win the series. I don't know if he'll reach you know, quite possibly the pinnacle of his NBA Finals performances, But I think he's got one more of those offensive explosions left in him, and hopefully he saves it for when they need it the most.
0: Yeah, I think he's fully capable of doing that another time, or maybe even two, maybe even three, maybe not 43, but I mean something big like that that's unquestionably where he's dominating the game with the shooting. I just think if the Warriors need that from him, I think they're in real trouble. If they need that over the next two or three games, I think they're in trouble. 888-957-9570. Let's talk to Sophomore in Pacifica. Sophomore, how are you?
5: I, I'm fine, thank you. I'm a nervous wreck, but I'm enjoying enjoying this hugely.
0: You're not um, enjoying See, that was the yeah. beauty of winning the last game. You have a couple of days to relax a little bit before you got to worry about Game 5 tomorrow.
5: I don't understand that word you just
4: used. <laughs> um, Relax. <laughs>
5: <laughs> chill, chill, chill. Um, hey, just, I got schooled on this uh, Dodger fandom thing by an older gentleman. Uh, I, was, I was out and about, and an older black man who lived near me was wearing Dodger colors. I'm from San Diego, and now I live in the Bay. I can't imagine being a Dodgers fan. So I, you know, respectfully expressed that. He said, look this is the team that signed Jackie Robinson and broke the color bar. I'm never going to let go mm. of my Dodger blue. And I went, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I should shut up, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are bond, especially with fathers, you know, because we're often not that good at expressing ourselves, but we can share enthusiasm for our team with our kids, and they grow up with that. And, you know, I'm calling into it. You guys are doing sports radio. So Blind Sheep is a little strong, maybe, you know. I, I get it. Some people are automatons, but I I respect sports fandom and I enjoy it and I enjoy what you guys are doing. So keep it going.
0: All right. Thank you, sophomore and relax. Take some deep breaths. Enjoy this series, right? It's like Clay said. Focus on where your feet are. Here we are right now. Enjoy this moment. Embrace this moment. This is a great series. I don't want it to end. And I know sophomore, which I think he responded. I think he called like Friday. I said, no, we want it to end over the next two games. Let's get it done with and celebrate a championship. But I'm kind of,
4: I don't want this series to end. I don't either, and but I do have a piece of advice for sophomore in Pacifica, which yesterday was absolutely gorgeous. I can only imagine for how for a beautiful. while, and then, <laughs> and, then we got the what, and then we got the Marine Lair. We got what we got today. Yeah, yeah. But I also saw Clay Thompson out on the bay. I don't know if it was yesterday or I think it would have had to. Oh no, be you're right. It. Yes, yeah. it had to. be. It was on Instagram. He was out there on the bay, just kind of basking in the ocean water. It's how he goes to sort of reset and relax. I would. I'd say sophomore, just get out on the water. Maybe. Be careful
0: out there in Pacifica with the riptide, though. I was trying to figure out where Clay was exactly, because you could see the bridge in the background. I thought so he I, was
4: on the east side of, of uh, Mount Tam. So maybe oh, okay. he was going off of Stinson Beach or Drake's Bay or something like that. Okay. But he would have been a little bit up north of, of the Golden Gate.
0: <sighs> I know yesterday was a little warmish, but still. <sighs> oh, to me, that's the, that's the perfect time to get in the water. You go in... But you're from San Diego, right? Where it's like seven, the water 70 degrees. Well, so,
4: all right. I, my family does live in San Diego. I'm originally from the East Bay, grew up in El Cerrito, pride and joy. So I have some experience with the Bay Area temperatures and water. I don't know, maybe I'm just a little bit different. Uh, we've already talked about cake, yeah. and, cake and black coffee. But no, I, I enjoy going out to Ocean Beach and actually t- on a day like today, you're probably not going to see too many people out there, so this might be the time to go out and get a dip.
0: You know, Dan Devone does that a lot, and I was telling him, I told him this on the air, it was like the last time I went in the ocean, like probably was out in Pacifica, and so you go into the water, and ugh, you come out, it's like, hey, there's something uh, in my neck here. What is, oh, that's my left testicle. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it's oh, my goodness. Funny thing you said that. Dan does that before every <laughs> single show. Every show, he's like, yeah, i take I take a dip in the polar bear club. I'm thinking, what? That, yeah. Why and do you think he's show, so calm? Invigorating and, woo, yeah, uh, good for him. Curry might have taken a cold shower. That man wouldn't, was— Wouldn't cool him down. Well,
4: actually, he wasn't stoic. He was explosive. He was demonstrative.
0: If the Warriors had lost the last game, and they didn't, so I don't want to spend time on that. You know, I'm not trying to be negative about something that didn't even happen— But if they had, then I think a lot of people, my guess is a lot of people would have said, they should have played Kaminga. And a lot of people also would be, more people would be saying, why in the world did you bench Draymond Green? What is going on, in your opinion, with Draymond Green? How did the Warriors get him back on track? I will say this, too, before I hand it over to you. He clearly played well after he got benched. He made some big plays in the fourth quarter.
4: Yeah, so I think Draymond Green is in a situation in which we kind of, he's, well, in a category we... At the beginning of the year, we're wondering if we were going to put Steph and then Clay in, which is they're getting older. They're I, Steph has sort of defied this with with how much work he's putting on his body and and physically looks like he is a you know a bigger, more superior, more athletic player than he was maybe even ten years ago. But for Draymond, I think. I, I don't know if you noticed the, the gray streak on his beard. Sure. It seems to get more highlighted with each game, Whitey. And for me, it was the only thing I could look at in Game 4 because Draymond looked old. He looked like a guy that was searching for answers and had nowhere to find them. And I think that, that it's not to say that that's going to be the way it is the rest of the series because, obviously, in Game 2, he was super impactful. He played... Well, in game one, and has been sort of inconsistent since. But I don't, or pardon me, was not good in game, game one. Game one, he was Oh, pardon Sorry, yeah, he fouled yeah. out. My bad. That was, apologies. A but, but I was going to say that, um, he, like, he's more of an every other game player now. And that's not to say that he isn't a, a fantastic individual. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. He's a big part of this dynasty. But right now, I don't know if Draymond can give you the game to Draymond every single night. And that's the call that Steve Kerr has to make. That's the call he did make in game four. And it worked out because it was almost like Draymond needed to kind of save himself for the final three minutes of that game where he was good, but he just didn't have enough in the tank to do it for fourth quarters.
0: I know a lot of people have been saying, oh, the podcast, the podcast, and Isaiah Thomas. Oh, he's not focused. I mean, as I said a couple days ago, wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing, if you took uh, take a, a look to your left, whatever you're doing, there's an 85 percent chance that whoever you see there has a podcast, right? No matter, everybody has a podcast. They're not that hard. So I don't, I don't think it's the podcast. I don't think you know. Even Draymond himself said, "Oh, I'll let all the talk get to me." I don't believe that. I can't imagine Draymond Green would get caught up in that. I think that perhaps he's not physically doing well. I could be wrong. That is total speculation, but I don't know what else would explain why he's struggling to this extent. I know JD says, uh, and it makes a lot of sense to, you know, it's just, it's a physically, this is a really tough matchup for him. Um, but it, yeah, he, that's the surprising thing about this. Steve Kerr, Ben on and 95% of the people that you talk to about that, no matter how they feel about this series or who they're rooting for, they will tell you, yeah, he had to. He, There was no choice.
4: Yeah, and I don't think it's a coincidence that over the course of this season, regular season, he has played the least amount of minutes since the 2020 season, in which he admitted that he just checked out on. And then in the playoffs, he averages over his career 35 minutes. He's getting about 31 or less in these playoffs like he just doesn't have I think enough in the tank to be able to play you know the 38 to 40 that we saw him be able to do in his prime and I don't expect him to do that but what he has to be in my opinion is like completely just a a better defensive player like that's where he adds the most value to me and he hasn't been that guy. He's been taken advantage of by Jalen Brown. He's been getting out-rebounded by Robert Williams. He looks like he's 32 years old, and he's playing against 22-year-olds. He also has uh, developed a little bit of the Ben Simmons syndrome. Like, I don't want to shoot that.
0: 888-957-9570. We welcome back to 95.7 The Game. Filmo. Mike, how are you, Phil Mo?
6: Hey, I'm good. Whitey. Yeah. You know how I used to get down with you. We got two more games, and I'm going to be like, hey, Whitey, I'm Blacky. Yeah. We got two more games, so we ain't going to bring it up. All but right. You know how we get down, yep. Whitey. Yep.
0: Looking forward to it.
6: Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Whitey, is Whitey, you so funny, bro. I ain't gonna lie. I love I love Willard and Whitey. I ain't gonna lie. I'm gonna tell Dibs on Monday that he's gonna have to step his game up with them weak ass jokes. But anyway, um He'll love that. <laughs> but yeah, he gonna love that. He gonna be mad. He gonna he gonna start dropping a joke everything that Willard says, he gonna drop a little punchline or a joke. Anyway though, Draymond, he needs to get out of his head. I love that he acknowledged his mom because that's your core. You know what I'm saying? My mom, I ain't got no kids, but my mom say, Mikey, you need kids. My mom called me Mikey. My family called me Mikey. Mikey, you need kids. You know why? Because kids is love. And you know what? You you Christian, Mikey. God is love. So it's like my point is when he acknowledged his mom, he acknowledged he was playing bad. He's aware of it. He's probably embarrassed. But at the same time, bruh, you got to step your game up. You got to hit some jumpers. I think, honestly, on his jump shot, he's getting too low. I think he's should switched to, to like Jason Kidd or Madden Johnson, almost like a push shot three, mm. where you're really not jumping. I think he's jumping like too high. And I said this last night, he got to work on his handles a little bit more. For real, for real. If you're going to be dribbling the ball, you can't be spooked. If somebody come within three feet you in the ball, you gotta hand, hold the ball. Either turn your body to him like I like Magic Johnson, Jason Kidd, or work on your handles so that you can get by these players. And you're right, Whitey. He got the yips. He. It, I was. I was trying to watch the Bielitsa kick out. It was kind of. It was so quick that I really couldn't tell if Robert Williams could have blocked the shot or if it was a great pass. It was a great pass. Billy to miss the shot. Uh, the loony scoop. The little loony scoop under. I was like, damn, he was right there. He could have kind of like. Mm. But if you if you look at it, it's so quick that you really can't tell. But he gotta work on his offensive game. If you're if you're a defensive savant, if, if basketball is fifty percent of the game, right? Let's work on your other 50% of the game. It's not going to hurt you, bro, to become a better player overall by helping your jump shot. If you have a jump shot, you can like you could be slow as hell, but your jump shot, I la Jokic and uh, uh 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 Luka, it keeps people honest. The pump fake. Uh uh then you go there. You feel me like it's basketball a deception. It's not always the most athletic or fast.
0: Thank you, Mikey. Good to hear from you. Appreciate that very much. Yeah, I wonder if Draymond's got a little stiffness or worse still in the back area, which would be understandable, but I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if when this is all said and done. If he's says, yeah, you know, a little... Well, I wasn't quite 100%, but we'll see. Coming up next, uh, more of your calls, 888-957-9570. And Boston has size and athleticism, but the Warriors have a much, much bigger advantage that they took full advantage of in the last game. I'll tell you what that is next. Evan Giddings is here, and I'm Whitey Gleason, and this is 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by
2: Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's In Your Podcast queue. And guess what?
1: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now
3: back to 95.7 The Game.
0: Thanks for being with us today. Evan Giddings, Whitey Gleason. Before we get any further, uh, Evan and I just hit a little bit of a roadblock in our relationship, which I mentioned here because it could impact the show. We're just talking uh, about Celtics history and I've never, I've, I don't like the Celtics. I don't like the Celtics. And I think my least favorite Celtic of all time is Paul Pierce. And of course, Evan's like, Oh, I love Paul Pierce. So (laughs) The rest of the show,
4: maybe, maybe a little tough. I I enjoyed Paul Pierce when he was on the Celtics. I know that, he caught a lot of flack down the stretch of his career, as well as his post-playing career, uh, for being a, a kind of IDGAF-type dude. And Draymond let him know that when he was on the Clippers when yeah. he was on the bench. I thought, Clippers. like, that that Paul Pierce, to me, is is very hateable. It's easily hateable. But I, I just think he kind of gets lost in the reasons why people, not here on the West Coast, but a lot of people nationally, put you know the 08 Celtics in that kind of big three originally – on the pedestal, like Paul Pierce, I think, was the closer of that team. He's a really good player. I know that. I know that. And uh, he's also he's, he is from the West Coast. I, I believe he was actually born in Oakland. So he has some Bay Area ties, and uh, I just kind of like this game.
0: Fouled his own shorts, right? And then the, <laughs> Right? And then by his own admission, and then the cover that comes back on the court in a wheelchair. You've never
4: done that, Whitey? That doesn't make you. <laughs> <I don't know.
0: laughs> and then um, the other thing I remember about Paul Pierce is – they were retiring his jersey, and that happened to be the night when Isaiah was back. And it's just like, okay, well, we're, are you okay if on your night, you know, Isaiah's back and we're going to have ceremonies and retire jersey, but we're going to play a video because it's Isaiah Thomas's first game back, and Isaiah meant, you know, so much to us. And he's like, no, I don't want that on my night. On my night? No, I'm not having that. I thought, what? Well, I, I, I thought that was kind of classless. Well, if it makes you... uh, And that tells me how much Paul Pierce is about. And bless him, that's probably one of the reasons he became such a great star. Paul Pierce is definitely about Paul Pierce. Do you like Kevin Garnett? Um, I admire him. I think he's funny in the commercial. This is my house! What'd you say? (laughs) Um... I know he wasn't probably the greatest teammate in some ways. Great player. I don't have the issue with Kevin Garnett. So, yeah, I'd say, yeah, I like Kevin Garnett.
4: Okay, because I was just going to say this year at his uh, retirement ceremony in Boston, which, by the way, I don't know if you can get a jersey retired if you played for a team for like five seasons, but that's a story for a different day. He also was very me, 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 and it was his night, but there were some things behind the scenes that I I felt like were just overboard as far as who can speak, who can't speak. It's got to be all about me, and they got to talk about me in the way I want people to talk about me. And so I kind of see them as similar. And I like Kevin Garnett, especially as a basketball player, and I thought Paul Pierce was a a quality player. Also, to the 415 and the Xfinity mobile text line, good guys do uh, get stabbed. That's a story for a different day. Right, but. Just want to refute that. Paul Pierce, not his fault. And um, you know, I I again it's just an aesthetic an aesthetic thing. I like the way he played the game.
0: What about is it uh is it a DraftKings commercial where he's like, you keep giving fake stats, you pretend you're at the game, and Uncle Rob, you keep living the past. I'm gonna enjoy this dip. It's like, oh. one, <laughs> it's way down the list of uh the best commercials currently starring NBA players, and of course the best one is Anyone need
4: anything else? Because I can reach it. Boban is great in the uh, State Farm commercial. Yeah, I mean, here's your sure mustard. He, Boban, <laughs> honestly, he is he is the best actor of of all of the uh, the State Farm. Wick, no. right? He's in John in Wick, right? Is in John Wick three. Real 3? movie. Yeah, RIP R I P. His character, but he was in John Wick three. Spoiler alert. Guess I don't need to see that. Oh, you you just can skip the first five minutes. A lot of NBA people are coaches in the hustle with Adam Sandler. It's a, it's I do want to watch that. Okay. That's that's in my queue. A and Kevin list. Garnett
0: was in a Adam Sandler movie. Yes, right? he was
4: in Diamond oh, and okay. the Rough. Or uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. I did see that movie with Adam Sandler where KG is is. Uh, and you don't even know a, the name of it, and you well, saw it. He, uncut, big, Gems. uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. There okay, you thank you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that was my third guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, Brian. Brian with the with the save there. Uncut Gems was great. KG was as well. On the
0: text line from the 510, do you guys think that game was Curry's flu game? GP2 with the assist was the best play in the game, reminded me of a Zaza assist. Uh garbage man, Super Mario. Um, anyway, thank you. Is this his, uh, is uh <laughs> who,
4: who is this from? Uh anyway. Well, if, if if he means that this is the game that people will point back to as his I don't know, peak or again i've i've used the word crescendo of his nba finals career then maybe you know because i think a lot of people the first thing that people of my generation especially didn't have a chance to watch jordan live and see the beginning to the end of his career a lot of people just think about the end and that is perhaps the the best all around uh, you know with everything going on off the court his best game so could be
0: yeah, um, not to dodge the question, but to me there's just no comparison because the, and the anniversary of the flu game was, it was yesterday, I think, um, 1997, Michael Jordan, flu-like symptoms, Michael Jordan, yes. And, of course, someone had poisoned his pizza. That um, there's no comparison because the whole thing is, Michael had way better games than that, but he did it when he was so sick. And Steph was, you know, he had the bad foot, but clearly that wasn't really an issue. No, so I don't think there's any comparison there, in my
4: opinion. No, th- but that was a storyline coming in, though, is how would the foot be, and he dodged all the questions post game at media day the next day, and said, "I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be fine." Yeah. So maybe if he had made a bigger deal about it, if it actually was, which I don't think he would, even if it was a big deal, a la 2016, will we find out after he's playing, you know, with a, with a compromised leg, and he's not making a big deal about it? So if he did talk about it. After game three, then maybe that's a bigger, you know, contextual factor entering game four. But with the way that he played, especially right off the bat, I I didn't even think about it until after the game when people started saying, oh, he's doing this on one foot and this, that and the other. Yeah.
0: I think he was fine, though, right? It was in the video of – I was really convinced when they showed him pregame and he was hopping on the injured foot, hopping across the floor on the foot, just the injured foot. It's like, I think he's going to be
4: good. Well, so I think Jeff Van Gundy made an observation early in the game that Curry was wearing high tops as opposed to the typical lower mids where you can see the big braces. So maybe that was a thing? But then Hmm. again, he had also had his – for those of you who are – into the you know shoe game and all the type of you know little things that can or or can't make an athlete like that was i think the third time that he has had worn those purple shoes and in each game he's been unbelievable so maybe Hello? he needs to keep on wearing these purple highlighters
0: mhm uh, on the text line saying that you never saw jordan play live made me feel so old uh, thanks for ruining a perfectly good Sunday. Also Jordan was hungover, food poisoning my ass from the 925. You never saw Michael Jordan play live? He, I, I, you said that? I did
4: say that. Wow. Well, I, <laughs> I saw him play with the Wizards. Then you saw him play live? Well, I think he means like peak Jordan, you know, in 98 I was, I was just he a, doesn't just mean a young anything. It's
0: what you said. You said you never saw him or play she. live. Or she I apologize yeah. 95. Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah no. I, well, so yeah, I I did see him play live. I just saw the the older Rounder version of Michael Jordan.
0: Yeah, what did he average like twenty
4: one year and 20? he was pretty which is good. still pretty amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, if he had they a fifty he... point game at forty years old or something.
0: Yeah, and back then, of course, Michael Jordan's like I'm playing all eighty two games. If he'd embraced load management, which wasn't a thing then, he probably would have been a much more effective player for the Wizards. But he would not accept that you know my knees are kill me. Well, you got to sit, Mike. I'm not sitting. He just it was not it was not acceptable to do that. If he'd done that, he would have been better although, you know, the Wizards were not a especially good
4: team then. Well, and he was going to play 38 to 39 minutes, right? It isn't as if he's got Steve Kerr on the sideline saying, "All right, you know, this is your minute, Steph. You're playing first 12 in the, you know, in the first quarter, playing six in the second. Mike's checking himself in and out whenever he wants to go." And that's just the way it was.
0: You mentioned uh, Jeff Van Gundy, to me, the vastly superior of the two Van Gundys. But it's funny, isn't it? I mean, if Steve Kerr had coached the Knicks, as he said he would, Stan Van Gundy was going to coach the Warriors, and who knows, maybe he'd be now on the list of the 15 greatest coaches of all time, and we'd be talking about what a great coach he is. I know he's a really good coach. I just prefer Jeff's whole overall thing. But Jeff Van Gundy said, this is the most impressive Warrior win we've seen in a long time. He was hesitating there, and you could hear him kind of trying to think how he wanted to frame it. But I think it's one of the all-time great in Game 4, one of the all-time great Warrior wins. I really do.
4: Yeah, I think so. The first game that came to mind, and, and speaking of having watched games live, this game I was at in person, and that was Game 3 of the 2016 Conference Semifinals at Portland, the I'm Back game for Stephen Curry. Mm. That, to me, is more of – his flu game, so to speak, than than this one in game four, just because he was coming back off injury. And that game, he actually was supposed to have a minutes restriction, but Sean Livingston, for the first, and I'm not sure if only time, but it was the first time in his career he got ejected in the first quarter of that game. So Steph had to play 37, 38 minutes. He sets uh, the overtime record with like 17 points. And for me to be in the building like that, I, I will never forget, where I was in the top row right in front of the fire extinguisher, watching him do that. So to me, that was a game where also the other team in Portland, maybe lesser talented, but played up to the level of the Warriors, just as I thought the Celtics played up to the level. Were you going to college up there at the time? Uh, yes, I think I was a 16. I would have been a senior in college. So who
0: were you pulling for?
4: Oh, the Warriors, no okay. doubt. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 okay. no, no doubt. Right. No, I was wearing He's my... He's wearing a, a Willamette shirt right now as oh, we then... speak
0: there, and I get that as a school you went to.
4: I was wearing my blue Stephen Curry jersey, oh, which okay. I hope you know, we'll get to see, thanks, Brian, in Game 6.
0: Who's your all-time favorite Warrior? Is it Steph Curry?
4: I feel like it's got to be, right? I mean, th- there are different players that you gravitate towards at certain times. I've, I've, you know, I've had... Like, I've never seen a better game than what Clay did in Game 6 against Oklahoma City in 2016, that to me is is unmatched just because of just the sheer will of his of his shooting and then of course Draymond has had games like game 2 is a game where i where i fell in love again with Draymond just because of how he is able to dictate the tempo and just energy of a game with not even numbers but just with his effort like that that's a little bit different so I've gravitated between all members of the big three, but Steph, is, is he was the first one. I don't see how he can't be your favorite.
0: 888-957-9570. Let's talk to Charlie in New York. Charlie, you've been wandering the streets of New York for several days now, pondering this series. What do you have for us today, sir?
3: uh aimlessly um, uh, walking around times square and, and, the, and the alleged mecca on 34 yes times yes times. yes <laughs> the, the well next next play um i'm one of three warrior fans that i think are native new yorkers um so i want to talk about draymond um i uh, i mean whether he belongs in the hall of fame or not is an argument for another day i personally don't i think it's inexcusable that he, over the course of his career, never developed any semblance of offense. There are a number of big guys in this league later in their career. One of them is on the Celtics, Crawford, who developed an outside shot. Uh, Serge Bach, I think, is another one just off the top of my head. Two years ago, the Warriors won 15 games. There was no reason why Draymond Green shouldn't have been taking at least 10 threes a game during that year. It was a lost season. Uh, last year, without Clay, he could have uh, taken more. You know, just asserted himself more offensively. Um, I think it's negligence on his part, and it's and it's quite shameful that he listen. That's uh, uh, setting aside. I like him. I I, I think he, you know I, I, I as a warrior, all time great. But I just don't understand why a professional athlete in this time has. If there is a glaring weakness in your game, and you have the opportunity to try to develop it, why wouldn't you? So um, anyway, I'll I'll listen to what you guys have to say about that. If he if he were if he could average, I'm sorry, one last point. No, go ahead, go ahead. If he can average eight to ten points a game, if he just managed to do that on a consistent basis, how much more deadly would this team be? Um, I can understand back when KD was there and, and all that. I can understand him not asserting himself. But for Now now there is no reason why, in my opinion, why he couldn't have developed uh, some sort of offensive uh, game to add to his defense. Anyway, guys, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say.
0: Thank you, Charlie. I oh. huh. always enjoy hearing from you. I don't know that we can say for certain that he hasn't worked on it, and I understand your point, and I, I agree with you. I guess I think there may be a little more to it. I think there is a psychological element to it because you, I'm just looking here at his three point percentages real quick and know some numbers here, but I'm going somewhere with it. You know, as a rookie, he shot three point percentage it's 21%. Then he brought it up to 2014, 33%. The year they won their first championship, he's at 3.37, which is all right. It's not like you want to set him up for threes, but you could live with, you know, 34%. That works. Uh, The year they won 73 games, he shot 388, so he's 39%, which is like that was good. After that, 308, 301, 285, 279, 270, and this year 296. So, Charlie, you're looking at saying, I don't know how he hasn't worked on it. I don't know whether he has or not. If he hasn't, I agree with you. I suspect there's just been more to it that he's got – it's just been really difficult psychologically playing with the greatest shooters of all time being unable to make these shots and I think there's been a physical component as well I just think he's he's struggled um with a lot of different things here that that render him a bad shooter I, my guess is he has worked at it
4: well first of all I want to be in the foxhole with with our man from New York because if oh, he, me too if, if he is one of the few Warriors fans out there God bless his heart yes. And he Do, knows his basketball. Oh, that he does. If he's calling it the alleged Mecca, he knows his basketball. Yes. But th- this is my thing with Draymond, like you can't just go to the fast food restaurant and order a jump shot. That that doesn't that doesn't really work. I know some players have gotten better at shooting throughout their careers who, who have improved their game, but clearly this isn't something as you just rattled off those percentages that Draymond like it, it's not it just isn't there. I mean you can point to certain stretches in which he's been offensively a force. I know that it kind of gets forgotten because we talked about at the top how demoralizing a loss the Father's Day Game Seven was in 2016. But he scored 32 points yeah, in that game. Point. Yeah. He shot six of six of eight from three point range. Yeah. And if they win that series, he might be the MVP of the finals. So there haven't been points there have been points in his career where Draymond has demonstrated that he can be offensively dominant that he can shoot well it just doesn't happen consistently he averaged 14 points a game that year he was fantastic and he had points in other playoff series during the KD years where he had big numbers you know maybe not the the 30 plus but you know Draymond can pull it out of his bag again it's just we have seen it less and less the older that he's gotten so he's been more inconsistent and it becomes more glaring when you don't see him shoot as much because I think he also recognizes, and he even said it at the beginning of this season, I don't know if it was on a podcast or a post-game presser, but he said, "Like, look, I don't need to shoot. If Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson are on my team, why would I shoot the ball? That makes no sense to him. And even though I think you do need to demonstrate you know, a willingness to shoot to at least draw some attention to yourself— if he's going to shoot 2 for 12 like he did in game 1, I don't want him to shoot. Right. So I'd rather have him try and set screens, pass the ball. I think where he's gotten in trouble offensively, not as much shooting the ball, it's been he's been careless with the ball and that was something that Draymond hadn't been as much so when he was as dominant as we were talking about. Fair enough, but I do think
0: whatever's been going on with him offensively, it has become a detriment to the team. And I know Steve has talked about the importance of him at least posing a threat. And when he mentioned the, the quote that you just cited, where he said, why would I shoot the ball when I'm playing with the greatest shooters? Uh, that wasn't the point. The point is in this offense, there were times when shots are created and Draymond would have the ball and shot is created. And you know, a pass, uh, a sh- pardon me, a shot that's passed up sometimes is even worse for an offense than a shot that's missed. You have the ball moving around and it finds a player and everyone knows that's a shot. You pass that shot up and it just breaks down the offense. And he became that guy who didn't want to shoot. So he likes to sit out on the perimeter and run the offense. And if you're Boston right now, it's like, go get him. They just leave him alone. And it, this has been a, a, a something we've talked about since 2019. Wow, Draymond needs to pick up the three-point percentage a little bit. Yeah, he's working on it. For whatever reason, he has not been able to do it. And um, the offense of Draymond Green in this series has been a real story. Boston has taken advantage of his uh, inability to
4: make shots and his unwillingness to take shots. He's He's been atrocious shooting the ball. That That's not – I mean, we're not trying to hide from that fact. He's been bad. He said he's been bad. And – I don't necessarily know if it's going to improve. So, again, he can't, he can't in between Game 4 and Game 5 of the NBA Finals yeah. go find himself a jump shot. So why would you expect it to be there? To me, it's about trying to maximize the things that he can do well, that he can impact the game with. And to me, that's his passing, that's his rebounding, and that's his defense. Jump shot is not in the equation for me at this point, and I don't think he needs one for them to win the NBA Finals.
0: That's why I think you go back to game one when he was 2-for-12, but also he wasn't closing out on people, and he said, well, dribble penetration, I got to help. Al Horford, uh, according to NBA.com, none of his 12 shots were contested in the first game. That's why I think sometimes I'm not sure he's physically right, but um, that's why I think given whatever's going on here is not playing well, him getting benched, to me, that's—I'm not going to bench him at the start of the game, but I think we're, we're probably going to see more of that. That's definitely that's definitely on the board if I'm Steve Kerr. I'm definitely looking for opportunities there where, hey,
4: Draymond's really having a bad stretch here. I'm taking him out. Yeah, and he should. And, and Kerr, to me, gets credit for that more so than Draymond gets blame. If you're not playing well— it's on the onus to your coach to recognize that and and take him out of the game. It's not punitive. It's just like, Hey, you're not getting it done. Yeah. And Draymond said he understood that. Like he wasn't playing winning basketball when Steve Kerr took him out of the game. And maybe it was, you know, a a reset that he needed. Maybe that was a, a moment. I know we haven't seen him ever be taken out in situations like that. He's always been on the floor and largely has been dependable. But to me, that's that's just a, a positive a plus for Steve Kerr to be able to recognize that his his player that has gotten him so far in his coaching career and has gotten the Warriors helped them to get to heights previously unimaginable. I need to sit this guy right now, and it ended up kind of working because Draymond. Granted, it was only three minutes, but in the final three minutes of the game, I thought he looked more like the Game 2 player than the Game 1 player.
0: Yeah, he had a good fourth quarter. He really did, a really impactful fourth quarter. It's also possible, you know, during this run, this Warrior run, he's had to do more of the dirty work, if you will, than anybody else. And, you know, the miles, they pile up on you. They take a toll. and physically. been playing more
4: more small ball center than in, in any other playoff series. I know Looney's been great. In individual games but if you look at the amount of time that draymond is out there with the other four smaller players it's more than i think we've ever seen it mm-hmm. 888-957-9570 we'll get back to the phones back to the
0: xfinity mobile text line i haven't mentioned yet that while boston has the size and athleticism what is the warriors much bigger advantage we'll get to that and with the finals i'll leave now what should the warriors feel best about what should concern them the most? That's next with Evan Giddings, Whitey Gleason, 95.7. The game. This episode is brought to you by
2: Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.